Before we get to the podcast, I have a gift for you. I love bringing hope to you each week through this podcast. Hope is such a beautiful gift and one that I definitely like to share. For the times in my life when I needed hope, I open my Bible and allow God's Word to speak to me. As a gift of hope to you, I've created a prayer journal, Seven Days to Refuel Your Hope. This journal shares my journey through some of the most hopeless times in my life and the biblical verses that brought me back to hopefulness. My prayer for you is that this journal will help you to refuel, refresh, and realign your hope. You can download this free journal by visiting my website, dianebells.com, or clicking on the link in the show notes. Because they don't like telling people no, I'm going to ask them, what can you say no to this week? Hello, and welcome to the Hope Station podcast. I am your host, Diane Bells. Today, my guest is Linda Zelnick. Linda is an author, international speaker, and leadership expert with more than 20 years of experience. She has taught and trained on five continents, holding her MBA in leadership, and is an ACC-ICF certified coach. Today, Linda and I will be chatting about her book, Burnout to Boom, Strategies for More Energy and Less Stress, starting today. Diane, thank you for having me. I'm so glad to be here on the Hope Station with you. Well, I love talking to you, Linda, so that this is perfect. What I want to know, because I'm very curious, with all the topics, just looking at your experience, 20 years of leadership and your MBA and, you know, you're a coach, why did you pick burnout as the topic for your book? Yeah, so, um, Diane, several years ago, I found myself just doing what I wanted to do, living my dream. I was newly married. I was in a career that has allowed me to travel internationally and combine all my various experiences. Um, I was on the board of a nonprofit that is a passion project and um, got to start my MBA. And these were all things I had dreamed of and wanted to do. And a year in, I was just exhausted. And my new husband was um, getting the least of my energy because outside of the house, you know, I had a whole bunch of things that were non-negotiable, you know, like the the job had to have the deliverables, Mm -hmm. the MBA coursework had to get done in order to realize that dream. Um, The nonprofit had deadlines and and, uh, cyclical needs. And so they were things to check off. And at home, the joke was I would be asleep within five to 10 minutes of every book, movie, car ride, you name it. And that's not how I wanted to show up. Um, What clued me in that it was burnout was that the, the exhaustion didn't go away after I graduated and that big, um, degree part of my, on my plate was off. I, I didn't, my energy didn't come back very quickly. Well, if you just describe burnout, what are some of the symptoms? So you said that that energy, is it just energy or are there other things that are associated with burnout? Yeah, it's really personal. Um, For me, it was it was both energy level. It was 
cynicism. The job that I enjoyed was then no longer fun because I was burned out. You know, I was tired. I, it had taken more energy than I had wanted to give it. Um, it also manifested itself into some health, health problems. And these are, I think, common for a lot of people, especially women. It, it ends up looking like exhaustion. Um, for men, it'll look a lot like depersonalization where people and tasks are separate. And so the, it's easier to manage that way. Um, it also starts to look like um, a lack of social life because you, you're you have so many things you're juggling, something has to give. And um, unfortunately, a lot of times it's the social side of things because the work demands don't stop. But then that feeds into the burnout cycle because the social life, even if you're an introvert, the social life is part of how you fill your cup back up. So when our natural inclination, when we get out of balance, even and oftentimes it's our strengths that put us out of balance and into burnout. When we get out of balance, we we naturally stop doing the things that we consider extra. And those extras are unfortunately um, what help us balance and have harmony in life. So our exercise or eating well or good sleep um, all gets put on the back burner. And those are simple things, you know. Um, but it, those are also signs, you know, if, if you're if you're feeling lethargic, if your health, if you're starting to have anxiety, you've never had anxiety before. Those are all warning signs. Well, do you think that burnout is situational or do you think we're almost wired for burnout? Are there a certain personality type? Is it type A that are more susceptible? <laughs> To burnout or is it, you know, do you see a pattern that there, this is the type of person that has a good chance of experiencing this? Yes, there are patterns um, and it is a culture, like our culture promotes burnout because we are encouraged to run 90 to nothing, to do all the things, to um, shoot for every promotion, to um, take the kids and get them into multiple activities so that they can have, you know, as many opportunities as, as possible. And so the, the characteristics aside from culture are high achievers. Um, the very things that the very traits that make someone a high achiever puts them at risk for burnout, helping professionals because they give all day without receiving much. And so when that's the case, um, they especially have to be careful about filling their cup outside of work. Um, people who have conflict among their roles. So when you're in the sandwich generation and you have children to care for and, and aging parents, um, or you have a high demand job and there's a lot of family needs that are knocking on, you know, or sending you text messages or phone calls during the day, that can be a situational event that sends you into burnout, even if it, you know, isn't a constant need. Um, but then vice versa, if you're at home and you, you're trying to have family time and your 
employee employer is expecting you to be working on something. So when your roles get into conflict, if that's happening a long time, um, over a long time, that is a, you know, a personality that will be prone to burnout. And then you add something like the pandemic and people have, you know, a, an added stress on top of it that it wasn't known. It, it wasn't, you know, even we couldn't even conceive of it. And it made daily life more challenging, daily life more stressful. Things that you already had patterns for were no longer normal. So even the word burnout is descriptive of nurses. Like uh, um, there's nothing left for me to give. We used to call it, you know, in the olden days, you're burning candles at both ends. Yes. <laughs> Just burnout. We're trying to do too many things, having too many priorities, too many expectations from different sets of people. And all of a sudden, it's like I, I have nothing left to give. And how you said, we're not filling our cup or we don't know how to fill our cup, which I found with a lot of people that I coach that they, they don't know how to fill that cup back up. They yeah. One of the things that I've seen is that you, you talked about someone they're overusing their strengths. What I found with some of the people that I've coached is they're not using their strengths. They're working mm-hmm. in their non-preferable, <laughs> non-preferable uh, goodness. You know, they're doing things they're good at, but they're not built for and then it's almost like, I can't do this anymore. Well, you weren't built to do that. You're not using any of your strengths. So there's that, I'm overusing a strength that can cause burnouts, and then I'm not using my strengths at all. So finding that magic middle would be yeah. awesome. So are there tips that you have to help people get out of this or to prevent it? What is your book really focused on? Yeah. Um. So with the book, there's um, an assessment of just getting really clear, okay, what are my personal risk factors and warning signs? Because knowing what is putting putting you at risk for burnout is an important thing. It will look different for different people. You know, if someone isn't in the sandwich generation, that won't resonate with them. But does their job require 24-7 access? Do they feel like they can't unplug um, for fear that someone else is going to um, get the next role? Um, or is their job truly 24-7, like like the beeper system, you know, that the hospitals used to have? Now we've got these cell phones that connect all of us all the time. And so we, we feel like we can't set working hours because, you know, everybody, the connection is expected to be constant. So what are your, your warning signs? So there's an assessment with that. And then um, the strategies that I present are really organized in the ways that burnout shows up. It shows up emotionally. It shows up mentally, physically, and spiritually. Okay. And so I'll, I'll introduce in the book what that looks like, what emotional burnout may look like. And then present a strategy, a goal and a strategy, and actually a bonus strategy for if you're feeling emotional burnout. And then I'll do the same thing for each of the other four ways that burnout shows up, mental, physical, and spiritual. And so with you, you know, with 
any person getting that clarity on what what is causing the burnout is is key. Is it having zero time margin in your life, or you know, or if you're running from one thing to the next and there's no margin in the in the schedule or the calendar, what can you cut? You know, what really isn't necessary in your schedule? Um, you maybe it used to serve you. It used to be necessary. You you had it on on there for some reason. But it just isn't necessary anymore. Um, so one of the things that I, this is a silly example, but I I'm a tree hugger. I like to be eco friendly, and with both my kids, I've cloth diapered them. And last year, when I was starting to write the book, my son wasn't yet out of diapers. He's three now. He's been um, fully potty trained for several months. But when I first started writing the book, he wasn't. So I was still washing diapers every other night. And it takes a while. You have to rinse them, then you wash them, then you rinse them again, then you put them in the dryer. And um, I have leaned on my husband for help multiple evenings. And this was not his passion. It was mine. And so I finally thought, that's got to give. You know, if I'm going to have time to write this book, I've got I've to give up cloth diapering. Um, so what in, what in someone's schedule is a something that just doesn't have to be done okay so it is that picking and choosing and I see so much with our life is that we have a life as you said you had all these things you were doing and then we just stack things on we're adding 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 but we're never stopping to say maybe I'm adding too much it's almost like that that topple like you're playing Jenga (laughs) yes you're just putting one too many pieces or trying to pull out the wrong piece and then the whole thing topples. As you said, we uh-huh. might feel burnout. We're saying, well, I, I just can't go to the gym anymore. Or, I can't take that walk with my neighbor anymore. Or it's just too overwhelmed. I can't even stop to think about cooking. So I'm just going to bring in pizza. And I mm-hmm. was guilty of that. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it was like when you pick up the phone and the pizza delivery at the Chinese restaurant, know your voice. You know, you're getting ready for burnout. <laughs> just, just an example of just trying to make ends meet. And we're really not looking at our schedule. We're not looking at what we're saying yes to. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's another hard thing is, as you said, in that competitive environment, that employment seems to be nowadays. Feels like you're always competing with someone else. Uh, you know, as salespeople used to say, you're only good as your last month. So it's constantly, yeah. how do I, how do I stay in the race? How do I win this game? And we're just saying yes to things that we shouldn't say yes to. Yes to things we don't want to say yes to. And yes to, to things that we're not even good at we're doing. Yeah. And you're, oh my gosh, here I am. And I pulled nothing out. But I'm adding these things back in. That's right. One of my coaches used to say, don't shit all over yourself. (laughs) And so I think about that when I am talking to my, you know, thinking in my head or kind of talking, uh, um, looking at my self-talk. What am I shooting? You know, what am I doing? Because I think I should or someone else is doing. And so I think I should do that. But now I've got a little rule of thumb. So I've been kind of 
uh, digging into minimalism with with uh, life several years now, and um, just the whole theory is when you purge things in your life, and you know this bookcase full of books is not a good example. I have they are it is less. I have less books than before, but I love the color. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Um, the the idea is when you have less inventory to manage, then you have less demands on your on your brain. What two things are you going to take off? So it really is just being very um, aware of what's going on in your life and what things matter and what don't. And like yeah. when I had a pack up my house of 42 years last year and I drove down to my new apartment, went from a five bedroom, five bath house into one bedroom, one bath and like a great room. I it, there's this freedom that I never thought that, as you said, I went from being, you know, I felt like I was married to a widow and then to a housewife that I was married to this house. And it did feel like it was calling me. If, if there was just, I, that's, I didn't know what to call it. I wanted to say that it, it is that, uh, what did you, what was the word that you used? Silent to-do list. Silent to-do list. Mm-hmm. It's just there. It's overwhelming. Yeah. And now I, you know, really manage the clutter. I said, I'm not buying anything else. I have everything I need. Everything else is just something that I'm going to need to do something with. I don't want to do anything with anything. I want to just ignore it. So what's another tip that you can give to either recognize burnout or tips to get out of it? Yeah. So another big thing that I found in my research is that as with most growth, there's so much of this that is internal. Um, And it really is about a mindset shift that it is okay to slow down. It's okay to not play the busy culture. It's okay to be countercultural and to say, okay, our family is going to have X number of events a week and that's it. And when that when that we get there, we we have to say no thank you. And so one of the things is to um get like you said, get really clear on what's what your values are, and then make decisions on values, not on what is invited. So what are our, what are our core values? What do we want life to be about? And then make, make choices based on that set limits. You know, the, the mustard and the mayo on the road, give us boundaries that keep us safe. And so how can we keep, you know, boundaries like that of limits, rules for life, if you will, of supporting our our best selves um but that mind it really starts with that decision to say i'm done i'm done with overwhelm i'm done with busyness i'm you know i, I heard last week this big big um statement that saying i don't do x is really like empowering for our psyches to draw a line in the sand that we're, you know, we then go, our subconscious then goes about making that true rather than I can't do, I can't do overwhelm or I can't do busy. If I don't do busy, 
then you actually go into the mode of making sure you don't feel busy and stressed running from one thing to the to the next. Um, so this internal work is a big one. The permission to to not do busy, the permission to slow down, permission to say no. And the permission um, to be counterculture because it does feel like a rat race. And I lived in the Northeast and then coming down to the South, it's a whole different pace that feels much more in tune to who I am. That mm-hmm. even though I was in the rat race, as they call it, for a long time, I, I never wanted to be in that race. It wasn't a race I wanted to run. But once you're in it, it's so hard to escape it. It feels like yeah. if I leave this rat race, I'm going to leave a whole lot more. And that's how I felt when I left my executive career. It was like, I, I can't do this anymore. And there was a mm-hmm. lot of reasons why I couldn't do it. There were things that I just didn't no longer wanted to do as part of my part of my job, but I didn't want to feel like I was running on cortisol all day. Like yeah. stress, stress, yes. stress, stress. And part of it is you your mind, your body, I don't think your spirit ever gets used to it. You we get used to feeling this way that we don't think anything's wrong until one more thing's added, and then that that tipping point, that one piece yes. comes out, and the Jenga mess comes all over the domino effect. Yes. Just saying, I'm no, I I, I don't want to feel this way, and it's almost like you can feel that, like I didn't understand what post traumatic was until I've experienced a couple things and saying I can get through the tough stuff because those of us who are competitive. Those of us who, you know, are higher high achievers, we 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 push, we push, we push to get through. And then once we're through it, it's almost like, now what do I do with all this stuff that I'm feeling? And we're not being taught, we're not being even showed how how to handle this. So this is what your book is trying to address, helping of us stuck in burnout. That's right. And that was one thing, you know, re- researching it, I was, I realized, oh, it wasn't the demands of my job and the fact that I was in um, newlywed and in grad school and on, you know, this working board. It, w- it wasn't that that wasn't workable, although it wasn't. One of those things should have taken, you know, it was my my high achiever, I what I expected of myself in all of the roles. Mm. And um, so the research was like, okay, this is my personality. And I, I am actively now aware of it and trying to manage it still. You know, like last year, I would say to my husband, it would be a shame for me to be end up back in burnout writing a book about burnout, you know, because I, I was, I was so passionate about it. I, you know, any moment I wanted to write, I, I would, um, but I had to be aware, okay, breaks are good, you know? Um, so that high achiever side of things really can get a hold of you. And, and you mentioned cortisol running on stress and that cortisol hormone that, that releases when you are under pressure. And some people will even say, I just work so good under pressure. You know, there's like a, mm-hmm. a personification of that. Um, 
that cortisol exhausts your body mm-hmm. and it, it actually takes away the, you know, if there's, if you're running on that all day, well, then you're not building up the good hormones that replenish your body. And so what happened with me was the, the cortisol led to adrenal fatigue. Okay. Um, and so that's another thing that we don't realize that okay, I wasn't experiencing heart pains, you know, too much stress can lead to a, a heart attack right. or strokes. And I wasn't having any of those kind of symptoms. So I didn't think that my stress, stressful life or living was leading to physical things, but it was, it led to adrenal fatigue that took a long time to heal and connect and, or, or re restore. And so. Well, being on the other side of it, what are the benefits of saying, I'm going to be very aware of what is causing the, this burnout or what could lead to the burnout? And just as you said, being just more conscious, being, uh, you know, really limiting things in your life. What what has the difference been? Has it impacted your quality of work or your productivity at all? I would say it, it, um, it helps me be really clear about what I want to achieve instead of expecting myself to wear all the hats. I've always, my, my career up until this point was um, varied and I enjoyed it. So I'm a P on the, on the uh, Myers-Briggs and P's are perceiving, I believe, if I've got that. Written. Yes, that is true. And um, with that, I, I didn't realize it until just a few years ago that there is a desire to to have variety. And so the variety in my career was something that I had always enjoyed. I enjoyed, I mean, down to, I never order the same thing or rarely order the same thing twice at a restaurant. I'm always interested, you know, in trying the new dish or cooking a new recipe here. Variety has been important, but the switching of the hats takes extra energy. Mm -hmm. And so now, um, I'm just really passionate about staying in one lane. Okay. I'm not passionate about wearing a bunch of hats and and doing and doing what I what I am doing as well as I can, um, and getting variety in, in other ways. So th- it has impacted what I choose to, to do. Um, it it also has impacted. It, I think it allows full presence when you when you step back and and try to do less to do more in the what you're doing um it allows better presence in where you're at um so has that improved your focus or your ability to get things done because i think that's one of the benefits of having a coach someone who's working with you because we can't see what we can't see you know we're just we're doing, you know, you're doing Linda, I'm doing Diane, and we don't always see those blind spots. And that's why, you know, when I was a leader, I loved having a team because that team, I called them my rear and side view mirrors because I was very much the visionary. I was moving forward and they helped me see these blind spots. Mm -hmm. And that's what coaches I found really do for us that they they can see things that we can't see 
They can call us on the things that we're doing almost out of a habit, but it's there's good habits and there's bad habits. And there's habits that served us for a time or a season. They're not habits that are going to serve us now. So is that something mm-hmm. you do with your your clients that you're coaching to help them through the burnout? Do you have an example of someone who you really have helped get to the other side of this? Yes. Yeah. So that, that was another thing that led to the book on burnout was just seeing some patterns in my clients of working with high achievers who all are passionate about their impact. You know, so they're working in jobs they feel passionate about. They work in jobs that add value to society and, um, and also realizing they're, they're giving so much that, that something has to give. Um, and so one person in particular came, came with that, that, um, that in mind and said, if I don't do something different, you know, a heart attack is in my future. I, I know it. Um, so we were, we worked on clarity we worked on prioritization. We worked, you know, what was, what was right for that role for her in that role and then what were her resources to enlist um so we do we hold the mirror up one of my favorite things about coaching is that we hold the mirror up and um just reflect back um and then someone that i'm working with she's she's given me permission to just hold her to her goal you know so once she we went through a beginning foundational period where she identified a lot of goals and she said, I want you to hold me to these. And so one of them is, um, is delegating. And so that's another big thing that, that really, I think helps leaders mm-hmm. think through, you know, what, what we did at one role, we don't need to keep doing necessarily, but we are so used to doing it that it's often the last thing we think of letting go. Um, and yet that's the very thing that wasn't, isn't no longer serving us. It's taking up a lot of our time or energy and somebody else could be doing it and, and it would be developing them in order to do it. So we get real clear. I think, um, first of all, that awareness is, is, is the key. And then we get clear on values and scrubbing the awareness with the values to then make choices on what are the big rocks, um, that need the focus. And then what what can just be eliminated? What can be automated? What can be delegated? I I do the same thing with the leadership training that I do. And delegation is one of the hardest things that I can see leaders have to do. There's there's different kind of delegation. Some people, leaders, I wouldn't call them leaders, (laughs) like to delegate. I call it the hot potato. They just throw something at someone and then... It doesn't work because that other person really wasn't instructed or guided in that process, what they needed to do. And they're saying, see, delegation doesn't work. So it's almost you have to not just delegate. It's really converting them into a different mindset to say, this is what good delegation looks like. This is what good prioritization looks like. And without that, it's sort of like they're digging that hole deeper. Mm-hmm. They're proving to themselves something that they didn't believe was going to work that it doesn't work, and we do yeah. that. We do that. I want to hold on to this. This is part of my identity, and I mm-hmm. know I, I've just seen it 
myself to say, I, I don't want to let go of this because this has led to my success and it's part of who I am. It's part of what I feel my legacy is. And I, I don't want to let it go. And if we don't let it go, we can't embrace the new thing that's in front of us. And I think that's where that stockpiling, like you said, begins. We just keep on hoarding. We're hoarding everything. And then we're going, oh, my gosh, I'm so overwhelmed. Well, yeah, look around. Mm-hmm. If we could just put those into pieces. I always say, like, get out a sticky note pad and just throw all the things that you're doing and just look at how scattered. And your brain is running all the time with all these things, like you said, all these things calling out to you, all these put me on your to-do list that Mm -hmm. we're aware of the generating. So what are some tips that you give, quick tips that you did give to your clients just to say, here's one little thing that you can do to help you so you're not burnt out. We need you. Don't Mm -hmm. burn out. We need you. That's right. Well, my goal is for for people to always get a quick win so that they can see and feel the impact of choice of, you know, choosing um, a different path. And so if it's, if it's delegation and, you know, if we've talked, you know, through a session and it's delegation, then I'll ask them to pick an action item. What is something that you can delegate? What, and, and I usually encourage people to start, with like a small way of practice, you know, don't expect yourself to hand over the most important project um, that you're still managing, but, but don't want to turn over because you can just do it faster. What is something small that you can de- delegate so that you build your confidence in delegation? It, basically, it's like lifting weights. We don't start with 50 pounds. We start with five or 10 and then we build up to it. So um, somebody might pick delegation of that's a big one for them or for another person is telling you know if their plate is so overrun because they don't like telling people no I'm going to ask them what can you say no to this week teaching them how to say no in a way that it's a confident no Mm -hmm. yes no thank you if you want to be polite (laughs) <laughs> I guess <laughs> someone had told me that I for you know I think you told me that yes just to say yeah just you can say no we were we were yes. coaching someone together at our conference and yes it's an interesting that we're so afraid that someone's not going to like us or appreciate us or we're not going to get the recognition and we're taking on other people's burdens that don't belong to us yes Yes. And no is a complete sentence. We don't have to say why. Yes. We can say no. No, I I coach my clients to say, get ready to be prepared for the pushback. And if they do, then let them know what's on your schedule. Not now. If you want me to do this, this is when it's going to be. And don't shove anything into your schedule that doesn't belong to you. Mm-hmm. Then other options because I found too much it's uh people who get burnt out become the department resource center. They become yes. 911 and 411. So people are dialing into them because three digits is a lot quicker than having to go find something that they don't want to find themselves. Yeah. So they, and then just saying yes, and it almost feels good, like, oh, look at people really need me. 
you know, I'm in high demand until you realize that demand has caused you to fall into burnout. Yes. And you're not getting your own stuff done. You know, you're not getting your big rocks done because you're putting out fires all day. And that's the other thing that people feel, you know, will a lot of times say, I feel like I'm putting out fires all day and I'm never getting to my real work. Mm-hmm. So another thing that I've worked with people on is uh, blocking out time on their schedule to do the deep work so that their big projects are always moving forward. And that isn't draining them that, oh, I have still haven't gotten to that. I still haven't gotten to that. Um, again, that silent to-do list is taking up space um, because we're, we're not getting to what we know, you know, is most important. And so scheduling time that nobody else can schedule over, you know, and then honoring, honoring the appointments you, you, you make for yourself, you know, is a big one. So we've got to take these rules for life seriously. If I've got 90 minutes, then no, I'm not going to make that exception for so-and-so, you know, but take a 90 minutes that is reasonable to, you know, to hold on to. I think we're so afraid to change our habits. And as you said, if you're making, not making, you know, really advising your clients to pay attention, how are you feeling? You know, are you feeling, do you feel the stress lift? Do you feel more in control? Do you feel less decision overwhelmed? You know, we're making too many decisions. Like you said, you're blocking out 90 minutes and no one is allowed to infiltrate that 90 minutes it's very easy you don't have to make a decision should I let them or not let them I know as you said is a no and one of the hardest people to say no to is generally ourselves. yes yeah our self and our our habits our self and our just way of being that we mm-hmm. really just need to to change that be aware of it because we can't change the whole world to stop asking us to do things right but yeah. we can stop saying yes, and you only have to change one person. And why is it so hard to change ourselves? It it is that's true, and yet when you do it, you know you can. A reflection really helps with success. As far okay, so did that? How did that go? What were the wins from it? You know, how can you? What can you celebrate from? Not saying no again. I mean, you know, if if you didn't say no and you wanted to. What were the wins? You thought about it. You know, you're prepared for a new setting next time. You know, you're going to have an answer, you know, something. Um, And then what were the the learns or the lessons from that? So reflection is a huge part of making those behavioral shifts. Well, have you seen the, the people that you're, number one, teaching using this book and coaching? What are some of the, the wins that they're feeling from applying what Linda is teaching them? And coaching mm-hmm. to do. <clears throat> I think a lot of people are will say one of their biggest takeaways is I have more control than I thought. Mm-hmm. And that feels good. You know, when you have felt at the mercy of a of a constant schedule for months or years. Mm-hmm. And and the book or the the coaching process empowers p- 
people with what they have control over, it feels really good. One of my clients says, every time I meet with you, I realize I've, I've got agency. There is something I've, I can do about this. And it just feels so empowering to know, okay, nothing, even if nothing changes at work, I do have control over how I respond to it, what, you know, how I prioritize myself in this whole um, batch of things. And so, yeah. So more control, anything else? The other thing is the permission, the permission to, to go against the grain, the permission to, to ask for help. You know, to um, one of the things that I started doing several years ago, knowing, you know, where I'd been and um, having had a little bit of a relapse and learning my new, you know, I think we also have to give ourselves a lot of grace. So sometimes we end up um, in, in a new stage of life. And so we have to figure out how to apply the principles in that new stage of life. And for me, that was motherhood. Motherhood came very late in life. And so I had to figure out different strategies, you know, to, to ward off burnout and asking for help, hiring, hiring childcare, more childcare than I was used to was one of the things. And so the permission to ask for help, I think is another a big one. Um, the permission to say no, you know, no, this isn't my area of genius. No, this doesn't need my, my secret sauce. Anybody can do this. So um, I don't have to say yes. One of the things that I found with my clients, because a lot of it is focused on careers, is that they would leave one job. I would say they're running away from burnout. They're running away from this overwhelm, from this stress. And what I always recommend to them, you need to level set the expectations straight out. This is my schedule. This is what I'm going to say yes to. This is what I'm going to say no to. And I've had one client in particular, I remember she did not firmly set the expectations. She had um, been offered a position. She was very excited about the position. She asked for a three-week notice, even though she wasn't working. She says, I need three weeks. My daughter's starting college, this and the other thing. And they said, fine, that's absolutely fine. On a Friday, they said, fine. Guess what they said on a Monday? You need to start this job this week or we're rescinding the offer. So they're talking to me and I said, they are telling you right now how they're going to treat you. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, they're being very clear. We're going to say yes. And then we're going to, we're going to come back with a vengeance and say, no, we're not giving you permission to do that. They always will tell you how they're going to treat you. And she started this job with this awful, like monster boss. That's all I can say. And she wasn't like, in. she was a controller. You know, she was in a finance department and here she had a CFO who's crazy controller. You can't have your cell phone in your, in your, your office. You need to keep your door open. I need to know every conversation you're having. I said, I let you know ahead of time. (laughs) They're telling you how they're going to treat you. So I work with my clients to say, lay out 
what you're going to do. Be real clear. This is this is how I'm going to work. This is what I'm going to do. And even if you're not leaving your job, maybe it is good advice to say you need to decide for your own protection, for your own mental, physical, spiritual, emotional health is how you're going to work going forward. Mm-hmm. And those expectations like this is why I'm doing this. I've learned. And I always say if they come out of my class, just tell them I just went to a class on time management, on delegation, on how to prioritize, how to avoid burnout. And I'm going to start implementing these strategies that I learned so I can be much more productive, much more uh, impactful to the organization when I can take care of these things and really, you know, do a great job every single day. I can't Mm -hmm. do that. Burnout. That's right. Well, and you know, we've gotten, I think, into the habit of, well, I worked last night, so it's okay for me to check this while I'm at work. You know, we we are switching back and forth too much between personal and professional. Um, and it and we rationalize it because we worked overtime. And you know, if you're in a position where you don't get paid to do that, um, so we end up being less productive at work than we need to be. And therefore it gets carried out. That's, that's another thing that happens with burnout because you are tired. You actually do get less efficient. You get less able to make good decisions. And there's a lot of product uh, productivity repercussions to burnout. And so it really is something that employee employers and organizations need to pay attention to. It's, it's not, it's not just impacting the employee for sure. It's impacting the organization. So if you're a leader, you know, listening to this, I would encourage you to look at your team and the team's way of being and model, model work-life harmony so that your team can feel like they can do it too. So some people feel like they can't not return an email that's sent from the boss at 9 p.m., um, and the boss thinks, oh, I don't expect them to re- reply. I'm just thinking about it. Well, use the schedule function to, to do it at 8, send it at 8 a.m., you know? Yes, I would do this. I would never send that, like, you know, nighttime thought that pops into your head and send an email because I knew that people expect if Diane was emailing this, that they had it. So mm-hmm. for leaders should just set priorities and boundaries and say, this is my expectation because It has been, you know, it started with the email, then the cell phone, and then text. And it's this constant onslaught that we're never off. We're Mm -hmm. on 24-7, even without the beeper. There's just our mind never slows down enough to say, I'm done from work. And then I, I know people, I don't know if you've experienced this, that are working from their home. And they said the demands are are just even more. Well, you're not you're not traveling to work anymore. You're not doing all these other things. And it's like, so we want you to fill that time, which was their time to begin with. Like, like the commute, they're not getting paid for, and it's just that push. So leaders really need to pay heed because we're seeing a workforce that doesn't want to come back to work. Yes, that's right. That is exactly right, and so. It really, it it is really important to disrupt this burnout culture mm-hmm. from the top down, you know, from the leadership all the way 
you know, down through the organization to model what regular work hours look like because people will get more done. Yeah, there is those demands. It's like uh, doing less for more. And when I left my career back in 2007, there were so many layoffs and cuts. So now, Linda, you don't have one job. You have three jobs because of the two people we just laid off. And you should be happy you have a job. So Mm -hmm. you're going to do the work of three. So you don't become get on the unemployment line that, you know, jobs were hard to get by. And I feel like the culture hasn't changed from there. We're just going to keep on loading things on. And this is, you know, the evil Diane that's saying, you know what, corporations, you deserve people not wanting to come back to work. You built this culture. They stepped away from it long enough. They had that, you know, post-traumatic stress from it. And they're, they don't want to go back into it. Mm-hmm. I believe it, it does need a big cultural change so that yeah. we can have our employees really do their best work, but also be their best outside of work. Yes. Yes. And when, when organizations or industries have busy times to make sure that there is extra rest, you know, extra days off at the end, reward people for the push, you know, if that's, um, if, if it's the accounting, you know, accounting industry that has all the overtime in the first part of the year, well then, Make sure your people are getting some great time off in May and June um, and model model that from leadership so that they feel like they can actually take their vacation days. That's the, you know, another thing is people accruing time and not using it or, use you know, the whole lose it or use it uh, structure of, of paid time and people leaving so much on the table. They're really... Some of this is U.S. culture, you know, and, and other countries that there is not this pressure to work, work, work and not take take your time um, or for fear or in your example, um, feel like you can't take a day off because you're doing three people's jobs. And so what's what are you going to come back to? Right. So and I know people in that role, too, and, and that um, perspective. But uh, one one lady that I had talked to, she, she just said, every, you know, everybody's, everybody's answering emails at 9 PM. What'll happen if I don't, what will happen? You know, that's right. Mm. And, and yet we cannot, our, our bodies are not designed to work that long. We are designed for six hours of really good work a day. And, you know, throw in some extra meetings <laughs> and there, our bodies are just not, our brains are not designed to work like that. And so those extra hours are depleting the quality of work um, done, you know, so it, it really behooves the organization to really think through what are our organizational burnout risk factors and how can we mitigate those? How can we add in some things that help the employees? I think it's so much is culture because there's so many organizations that say, well, we have sleep pods, we have this, you know, we have a gym and no one's using it. They're like vacant spaces. So it feels like, well, we did something. You have to change the culture. How are we treating you? How are we taking care of you? Are we treating you as precious resources or disposable commodities? Mm -hmm. And I think too much of it has become, we're just going to deplete 
every ounce of strength we can out the employee. And there's just someone next that can come in and fill the job. And employers are learning the hard way. No one's showing up to fill that space. So if you're not going to change your culture, we have a generation that's not going to put up with this. And we have to learn. And I think it's a good lesson to say, we're not going to do this anymore. We're not going to treat our employees that way. And I do agree. We have to model as leaders. Mm-hmm. We have to say we're taking vacation. We're not taking our cell phone. We're not taking our laptop. We're not taking meetings and just stop. Because mm-hmm. I'm a big believer that there are people who can get 10 hours of work done in six hours. Let them go when they're done their work. Manage by expectations. Mm-hmm. Right? This is the amount of work you have to get done. And when you're done and there's a quality level to it, go. You know, yeah. like we're punishing people who are really excellent workers. And this is what my clients call performance punishment. Mm. Just get more work. The good yeah. employees, you yeah. know, I'm just going to keep on pushing. And the gift is they get more work. They're being paid less for it, <laughs> but they're doing more work because if you're doing it hourly, if, you know, if they're hourly employees and there is overtime involved, I did a whole blog and a calculation on that of people who are doing what they're made to do and how efficiently and effectively they can do it in less time. And those who aren't built to do what we hired them to do and are taking double the amount of time without the same level of quality. Put people in the right place, let them use their strengths and then let them go when they're done. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They're done. So it feels so good. Like, yes, (laughs) I can go and have a life. Yes, that's right. And it will pour back into the, you know, their energy level and output, you know, the rest when they are at work. Right. If you look at the rewards, if there's less call outs, mm-hmm. um, there's less terminations, if there are less performance issues, and these all have to tie into burnout. Turnover, absenteeism, presenteeism, you know. All kinds of, all of those things are, if you want to know who is burned out, you can look at those, those statistics in your organization and they cost a fortune. Well, we would actually look at absenteeism and to see, was there a particular departments, particular Mm -hmm. managers that had more absenteeism? And a lot of it, I believe, even back then, before we even said the word burnout, I don't think we did. That to say there's something wrong here and we need to address it as an organization because we don't want our employees, you know, as an employer of choice, that was our focus to -hmm. feel this way. We want them to feel good about coming into work. Um, I would tease my staff because my direct reports, I would send them a thank you note every single Friday. You know, these are the things that we accomplished. This is the part that you had to it. Someone said, well, why would you do it on a Friday? I said, oh, to make sure they came back on a Monday. (laughs) You know, treating them, nurturing them, caring for them, they're precious resources. Burnout is, is, there's a big cost to it for all of us if we continue. That's right. That's right. It's costing millions. It's costing millions. Yeah, and if we just put that into the bottom line, we, we need to show the number crunchers mm-hmm. what it's really costing them to have this, the mistakes that just so much, so much. Yes. 
Well, thank you, Linda. This was a good conversation. I'm excited about the, not excited about the topic, but we love to see some real change. So they can contact you. I put in the show notes your cult, your uh, Ulta coaching link and also uh, the name of your book that they can pick up through Amazon or they can order a paperback copy as well. True? That's right. It's available in print and Kindle on Amazon. And then I've also got the audio version on Audible and iTunes um, at, among some other uh, digital audio formats too. Well, that's fun. Yes. <laughs> well, thank you again. Thank you for coming into the Hope Station. Thank you for having me. I feel refreshed. Before you leave, I have another free gift for you. What are you looking for in your life? A new career? Stepping into your purpose? Restoring passion in your everyday life? Are you ready to step into the new life God has planned for you? And he does have a plan for you. And that gift is to experience the power of coaching. Coaching helped me through my painful journey when Joe, my husband, died. Coaching eased me through this transition to move to Florida. I wasn't sure why the Lord was bringing me here and what his plans were for me. Coaching gave me clarity. Coaching was essential in making the Hope Station podcast a reality. A dream came true working with my coaches. Coaching also brought hope to hundreds of my clients who stepped into their purpose and passion, and it all started with a free consult call. So schedule yours today. To schedule our Hope Chat, otherwise known as a coaching call, you can click the calendar link in the show notes or visit my website, dianebells.com. That's D-I-A-N-E-B-E-L-Z dot com. This coaching call could be exactly what you need to ignite a spark of hope in your life. Hope might be just one call away. Why wait? Schedule your call today.